We're still in this series on what do disciples do. Today I want to take as a subject, disciples don't judge. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this good day. It's always a thrill to be at worship. We pray that you will bless us through every act. Help us, O oh God, to come close to you for we know you are close to us. And may your word be a light to our path, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in grade school, my teacher was Miss Helen. And children, Miss Helen taught four grades, fourth through the, uh, the first through the fourth. And Miss Margaret taught the fifth through the eighth. They loved us. They were very much like parents to us. They're both gone now, but I remember both of them with a great deal of appreciation and admiration. Miss Helen was also my Sunday school teacher. And I remember when going to class, hearing her tell about the great stories and the parables in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I remember one specifically that she talked about where Nathan the prophet came to David the king and said there was a great man who had great flocks of sheep and then there was one little poor individual who had one little ewe lamb that he loved. And then she said, the friends of the rich person came to town, and instead of taking one out of his flock, he took the little ewe lamb of the poor man and made dinner out of that. Oh, the David the king was so furious. I'm going to bring that person to judgment. And Nathan said, you are that man. Don't think that'll stay with you? I can just hear those bones rattling in that dry valley of Ezekiel. She talked about that. And I'm guessing all of us who were in her Sunday school class remember the story about the son who left home who came back later to the open arms of his father. And this one stayed with me for some reason. It was the story of Jesus talking about the little mustard seed that grow into that grew into a giant tree. Stories, parables. You know, I also enjoyed reading Aesop's fables. Who could forget the story about the little boy that cried wolf so many times that when he actually told the truth, nobody believed him. And then the story, Mary of the hare and the tortoise, with the point being, don't be too overconfident. 
I think when I was called into the ministry, one of the very first books that I purchased for my library was a book on the parables of Jesus. John, I think that's uh, in storage. Now, maybe I'll dig it out and look at it again. So I want to begin this morning by asking the question, what is a parable? Point number one, what is a parable? I used to listen up at seminary and in Bible school as to the way people, professors, would define parable. And the one that I heard the most was, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. You've heard that. But I came across a statement not long ago in my reading from Marjorie Smith, who is a professor of worship at SMU that I thought hits the nail on the head. She said a parable is like a fishing lure with bright feathers that has a barb. And I thought about it. Boy, that says it. That says it. And the story that we're hearing today has all of these great details, but it also has a barb. And we've already been introduced to that by our storyteller this morning. He did a great job. So let's look at the people in the story now. First of all, there is the man who is referred to as a Pharisee. He went with the other gentleman to the temple to pray. But he started boasting about how good he was. Somebody said he was praying to himself and not to God. But the parable says he, he, was pray he went to God to pray. And you've heard all of the things that he said about himself. How good he was. And then there was the other person the publican or the tax collector who it seems was humiliated in terms of his standing before God. Now, not all Pharisees were like that. Uh, there was Nicodemus. He came to Jesus honestly seeking the meaning of the new birth. you remember that? There was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus uh, was uh, the uh, tax collector who obviously had a, had a heart because he said, if I've, if I've done anything wrong, I'll restore it many, many times over. From the pharisaical standpoint, there was the apostle Paul. And if you read Philippians, as we did in our study on Wednesday night here several weeks ago, we found out, I mean, Paul was a good man. 
He was misdirected until Christ met him and he was converted. Friends, I, I just want to say there is some good in the worst people. Now, I'm not saying there are not some bad people in the world. We see it on the news every night. There are a lot of bad people in this world. But not everybody in this word, world who is bad that doesn't have some good. And good people always have some liabilities. Right? But now, I wonder if there is not another way looking at this story. Why could the Pharisee and the publican, why could they not represent you and I as an individual with the two personalities living in us? Isn't there a pharisaical side? We spend a lot of time trying to affirm each other what, what, what the good qualities in us. But there's also that side which we call a liability that we often uh, are called in account for. We feel bad about it. Let me just share this. Here, here's what the Apostle Paul said in terms of describing this. He said, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Sound familiar? Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. And so I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lie close at hand. It may sound like a lot of double talk, but he's making the point that we are indeed a divided personality. So why... In the designation of the Pharisee and the tax collector, why could we not let that represent us as well as two separate individuals? Just another way of looking at it. Now, let's go to the principles. This is my third point today. This is the barb. Because Jesus said that the one who was braggadocious, the one who was so proud of all of his accomplishments. He was humbled. But the guy that beat on his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
He went down to his house justified. That's the hook. That's the stinger in this. And it's a reminder of the very purpose for which this parable was told. Now, I want to close with what I'm going to call, you know, I, I struggle with whether or not to use this term, but I'm going to use it. I'm going to close with what I'm calling policing. You ever known anybody in the world who polices the world for the rest of us? Do you know someone who calls everybody else into accountability? Someone who is smart enough and God-like enough that he can tell you or she can tell you how you ought to be worshiping today, how you ought to be listening to this sermon? The moral police... And yet we know the point of this story is that disciples don't judge. There's a poem that I heard a long time ago that I think says this much better than I could say it. A tongue can accuse and carry bad news. The seeds of distrust it will sow. But unless you've made no mistakes in your life, be careful of the stones that you throw. A neighbor was passing my garden one time. She stopped and I knew right away that it was gossip, not flowers she had on her mind. And this is what I heard my neighbor say. That bad girl down the street should be run from our midst. She drinks and she talks quite a bit. She knows not to speak to me or my child. My neighbor then smiled and I thought, a tongue can accuse and carry bad news. The seeds of distrust it can sow. But unless you've made no mistakes in your life, be careful of stones that you throw. A car speeded by and the screaming of brakes, a sound that made my blood chill. For my neighbor's one child had been pulled from the path and saved by a girl lying still. The child was unheard, and my neighbor cried out, Oh, who was that brave girl so sweet? I covered the crushed, broken body and said, The bad girl who lived down the street. A tongue can accuse and carry bad news. The seeds of distrust it will sow. But unless you've made no mistakes, in your life, be careful of stones that you throw. One more time. 
The point is, the barb is, disciples don't judge. Or to put it another way, disciples are careful about stones that they throw. To the honor of Christ, amen.